0: Today's subject has been on my heart for a long time. I guess you could call it a sermon on parenting. Uh, And believe me, I wanted to give a sermon on something different. Anything, really. Uh, I had about ten study subjects started, and I just couldn't get any momentum on any of them. This subject just kept coming back to me. I really didn't want to give it because it's something I'm passionate about, and when you're passionate about something, you tend to be opinionated also. I recognize that, and I have tried my best to curtail that coming out tonight. I've watched and been part of a lot of heartache growing up, and I just can't stand it anymore. The holidays are a time where I guess I get a little bit depressed. The sad state of affairs on my side of the family just becomes more apparent during the holidays. Really, just the lack of normal functioning adults becomes more apparent. This time of the year, it really causes me to think about the way things could have been better, the way things could have been different, what people in my family could have done differently that would have led to more cohesion and more success as a family. I have two verses I want to give you. Please write them down, and if you do anything at all, please study them out further on your own time. I desperately want you to understand that I in no way want to give the impression that I know or understand everything about parenting. I just have enough heartache on the subject that I'm compelled to bring you some of the things that I've seen won't work. Here are the verses that I want to give you. 1 Corinthians 7 and 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. My whole sermon is to basically get us to reprioritize some things about parenting. You don't have to look very far to realize that on the things that are on a list of things that are important to parents, high up on the list is secular education and a high-paying job. That's probably overall what the majority of time is spent on. Over the years, America has become more wealthy and more affluent. The age at which we consider someone to be an adult has become older and older and the minimum standard of what we expect out of our children before we consider them ready for marriage has become greater and greater. Really overall the age at which we expect anything out of our children has been postponed quite a bit. You know 18 months used to be a standard in potty training. Now all the books say three to four years. School-age knowledge that we would expect out of kids has decreased over the years. The legal working age and the general accepted working age has been pushed back and back over the years. All of this has culminated in childhood lasting longer than it should. Although these are societal standards that I mentioned, I believe it has gotten to a point where it's contrary to Biblical principles. I believe we really need a reset in the things that we are putting our attention to as parents. We need to shift back to Biblical principles by teaching the importance of working for the food that we're eating and seeking a godly spouse in early adulthood. Those are the best decisions that I ever made. Having a job and seeking a wife led me here. Well, that worked for me, right? That's not a one-size-fits-all. We can't just tell everyone to do that. These kids need to grow up a little bit more, right? 1 Corinthians 7 and 2 does not say to beat the temptation to fornicate, and then you can have a wife. And 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 does not say that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Except for your adult children, you are always obligated to feed them. Again, my position may be extreme, it may be an unreasonable blanket statement for me to make, but do you know what we're saying by default when we don't encourage a strict adherence to these verses? I'll keep feeding you while you develop a porn addiction. That's what's happening. Eating food, that you have not provided for yourself and getting sexual gratification outside the bounds of marriage really undermines our natural God-given motivations to mature and grow up. So it really starts with food. I want everyone to understand something that's laid out in scripture. Food is not a right. If you're a Christian And I'm not talking about benevolent acts of service to people that are in need. If you're a functioning Christian, you do not have the right to eat just because you exist." It's a pretty harsh statement. You think I'm off base? Who told you that food was a right? Turn to book, chapter, and verse and find anything that tells you that. You're probably hearing it from the news or social media. There is a lot of talk by our youth for a living wage, expanded welfare benefits, and the such like. But I'm gonna venture to guess that your grandma may have told you that. Maybe not exactly like that, but our mothers and grandmothers do like to feed us. My grandmother was always telling me I needed more protein in my diet. You got a headache? You need more protein. You're tired? Must not be getting enough protein. It did not matter whether you were hungry or not, she was going to make you some food. And there's nothing inherently wrong with being fed by someone or feeding someone. The problem is when you're not consistently providing for yourself. Fathers, as leaders in the home, can set great expectations of their children. They need their wives to be in a mutual understanding of the standards and enforce them also. Just as governments, employers, and the Lord expect many things from us as adults, we must train our children that we expect things from them also. The limitations of a child are almost always the parents. A child or teenager will seldom achieve the ability to accomplish anything if the parents don't provide opportunities. We don't want things to be dirty, or broken, or done incorrectly, so we continue to do them ourselves instead of giving our children more responsibilities. Sometimes the best way to learn to do something is by doing it wrong, messing it up, breaking it. Messing something up that you're trying to do is an excellent teacher. It provides problem-solving opportunities and ultimately a greater sense of accomplishment when the task is ultimately achieved successfully. Even very young children can learn the concept of providing for themselves by fulfilling tasks set by the parents. It is the parent's scriptural responsibility to do so. Second Thessalonians 3 and 10 where it says that if any will not work, neither should he eat. You do not have the authority to give someone a pass or an exemption from this verse. If you will look up the Greek root words of the word any in the Strong's or fairs, you will see that it actually means any. We are all, man, woman, and child, expected to work in one form or another, in the home or out in the world. Spouses do not have the right to give each other a pass and allow them to sit idle. Parents do not have the right to give their children a pass and sit idle and be fed without contributing. Truthfully, this is a modern problem compared to times past. For many people in many points in history, they did not have the abundance that we do, People simply did not have the luxury of sitting idle and eating off of someone else's labors. It took the entire family pulling their own weight to survive. Typically, we look at these historical facts and we pity the children in these scenarios, where they had to work hard to help the family survive. But the reality is, although it's a blessing that we don't have to worry about the possibility of starving to death this winter, We must still all work, all of us, and it's good for us. It's the way God designed us all the way back in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Before sin ever entered the world, man was commanded to work. He was to dress and keep the garden. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, look up these words, those words in the Strong's. Some of the synonyms would be work, serve, labor, and guard. Even a child's playtime is often pretend work. Look at Lincoln Logs, Tinker Toys, and Legos. That's pretend construction. Look at things like Play-Doh, Easy-Bake Ovens, and toy food items. That's pretend homemaking, pretend work. Even video games show that playtime is pretend work. Soldier and combat games showcase a real profession. Minecraft and other sandbox games are pretend construction. You have flight simulators, farming simulators. Even as children, the natural instinct to accomplish something is present, and it's up to parents to direct, shape, and mold our children to exercise that in healthy and scriptural ways. Children can and should be able to enjoy the sense of accomplishment in a job well done. Even if the work you're doing is not necessarily enjoyable, it is certainly a good feeling when you finish it. As I get older, I I begin to notice that the ground is getting farther and farther away. On job sites, it's extremely helpful when my girls come and pick up all the drop screws, welding rods, and other bits of various trash that is created in the process of building something. Even if you can't take your kids to work, There are always things that can be done in the home. Even small children can be taught to pick up sticks in the yard that you don't need to be hitting with the lawnmower, wiping down baseboards and taking out the trash. Ecclesiastes 5 and 12 says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. We homeschool our girls, and we decided to take kind of a Christmas break, kind of like the public school system would. I was home more than I usually would be. It was cold, and we just kind of stayed indoors for a while, and none of us were really accomplishing anything. A couple days into this break, Chloe goes up to Chelsea and says that all of a sudden, she's not sleeping well at night anymore. Chelsea told her it's because she hasn't been doing anything during the day. It made perfect sense to her. She just kind of started making herself a little bit more busy during the daytime. It's just human nature. We need to be accomplishing a little bit of something on a regular basis. It's extremely important that our children learn this and even learn, it, learn to love it at a young age. I'm sure that some of this may sound like my opinions on a soapbox, but I would like y'all to understand one thing that really drives me to be passionate about this subject in my entire family not Chelsea's family I'm just talking about my side did you know that there is not a single functioning male member of my family in 52 years again I'm not talking about Chelsea's family at all and I do have some family that's older than 52 that are responsible adults but in the last 52 years There's not a single man in my family being a man. Not one. I'm not exaggerating or being critical or judgmental. I'm just stating the facts. There's not one man, not a brother, not a cousin, not a nephew with a wife, a job, kids, and a house, not even close. I have not a single peer in my family. I could go on and on about the hows and the whys and the things that I've seen, but I think I've laid enough of a foundation of explanation. I'm telling you, the summary of the matter is very simple. It's pornography and food. It's really that simple. Every single male member of my family, 52 and younger, has a mother or a father that just keeps feeding them despite their unwillingness to work. These are 30, 40, and 50-year-old men living off their parents. The parents keep picking them up when they fail. They keep thinking they will help their child out one more time. And maybe this will be the time that they will stand on their own two feet. Those are the two urges that biologically keep returning and if they keep getting fulfilled outside of what God intended and laid out in Scripture then your kids will sit in your basement and do nothing. There is a YouTube channel called 11 foot 8 inches. This man has set up a video camera to record a bridge outside his home or his business that only has 11 foot 8 inches of clearance. The local government has installed this giant steel structure to protect this bridge because on average every four weeks a semi-truck crashes into it. I've watched compilation video of truck after truck after truck smashing into this guard structure, blatantly ignoring several warning signs and even a light system that alerts specifically over vehicles. I watch these videos, and and all I want to do is just stand on that street corner with a megaphone yelling at these drivers. Tell them to turn around. That's how I feel about tonight's subject. People I hurt. My heart hurts. Ephesians 6 and 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Look up the root words of nurture and admonition. The word nurture is usually translated chastisement, punishment, instruction, or correction. Psalms 127 in verse 4, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. When this was written, people understood bows and arrows better than we ever could at face value. (coughs) Fletching arrows... Is a skill, a time-consuming skill. You need specific feathers, the right wood, the right arrowheads. Archery is the same way. It's a time-consuming skill to develop the ability to send that arrow where you intend it to go. Have you ever stopped and considered that the destination is not up to the arrow? Proverbs 22 and 6 Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do you realize how disastrous it is when an arrow doesn't go where it was intended? That arrow will create unintended casualties, and if it hits something solid, it will be destroyed itself. The members of my family that have not matured have created several unintended casualties and some of them have destroyed themselves. My kids can't visit certain of my family members because it's dangerous for them. Some of them are violent, some of them have drug problems, some of my family are good people, but we can't visit them either because of the other people that live under the same roof. You know, a uh, modern analogy would not be dissimilar to a firearm. Anyone that has ever taken a gun safety course knows that the instructor will beat into your head and the respect and understanding that once you pull the trigger and that bullet leaves the barrel, there is no getting it back, and you will be held responsible for the outcome, the consequences, the casualties, and the damages. I'm not preaching that parents will be held accountable for the sins of their child, What I am saying, it's just the natural order of things. Forgive me. Proverbs 10 and verse 1. A wise child, wise son, maketh a glad father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. I've seen so much anger and so many tears and so many fights so many hurting and remorseful parents of adult children that never became functioning adults. The heartache and the shame is real. You can't help but feel the responsibility of the mistakes of your children. Have you ever really pondered and thought about that verse? I'm going to read it again, Proverbs 10 and 1. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. What do you think that is? You think it was just a nice play on words to write it like that? That it just rolled off the tongue better so that's the way it was written? Folks there's a reason it specifically says a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Sometimes it's the mother that's the reason the boy doesn't become a man. I know a lot of times it causes us to bristle up to hear it but the husband is the leader. The father is the leader in the home. To all the mamas here, I'm pleading with you. Let your husbands lead. Do not hinder them from turning your boys into men. Your sons will get hurt, they will make mistakes, and they may even go hungry at times. They will be okay. I've seen enough, and I want to assure you that if you have a son that becomes a man, that only has nine fingers, one eye, and a burn scar somewhere, but he has a godly wife, a job, a house, and he gives you grandchildren in the Lord. There's no way that you would trade all that for an intact man-child living in your basement. I heard a man tell me one time that he just had to get out of his wife's way. He figured out that if he continued to try to raise his son the way he saw fit, that they were going to end in divorce. Again, ladies, I'm pleading with you, do not be adversarial to your husbands. Support your husbands when they want to take the kids to work, when they want to teach them skills, when they decide that your children need to be held accountable to a predetermined standard. Support them when the appropriate punishment is to send your children to bed hungry and support them when it's time to push them out of the nest. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you what age is adulthood. I think we can gather a decent guess from the scriptures. But whatever the age is, sit down as a family and pick an age. 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever it is, pick an age and hold your child and hold yourself accountable to that age. I've watched so many family members yell and threaten and scream at their kids and never follow through with cutting the apron strings. They always give in. They, don't, they help them buy another car after another wreck. They let them move back in. They, they don't follow through with kicking them out. They keep paying some of their bills even after they do move out. They can't stand the idea of their adult child going hungry so they buy them groceries again. That could be what it takes. Stop paying their phone bills. stop buying their gas, and I know it sounds heartless, but stop feeding them just for existing. One more time, ladies, I recognize it becomes difficult to reconcile with your natural instinct to nurture, but your husbands desperately need your support and not your opposition when they try to implement some of these more direct measures in the training of your kids. As much fun as we're all having, I have to talk about the other half of my study. I don't want to talk about it, and y'all don't want to hear about it. But folks, if you don't recognize that pornography is an epidemic right now, then your head is buried in the sand. I had a friend that told me his dad set parental locks on their TV when he was a kid. You know you set a little four digit code and it stops your children from watching adult mature content. He made the parental lock code the same code as the garage door opener. Folks, that's not going to cut it. You cannot treat your kids as if they're that dumb. Not only that, kids are always the experts on the latest technology, The the newest computers, the newest phones, who do you go to when you can't make it work right? You find a kid or a teenager. Then we turn around and act as if we can protect them from these devices, we can't even make work right ourselves. It's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of learning and our constant involvement in our children's life to protect them from the vile garbage that you can access faster than you can get a pizza delivered to your house. We can't play the blame game. As parents, we're the ones that are responsible for where our kids are, what they're doing, and who they're doing it with. Above everything else, fathers, you are responsible for the well-being of all those that live under your roof. 79% of first-time exposure comes from a family member. Siblings and cousins are the most likely people to introduce a child to pornography. I was seven years old the first time I saw adult content on a TV at my grandmother's house after everybody went to bed. And I was 11 years old when my cousins first introduced me to full-blown pornography. Did you know that that's just pretty much right in line with the national average? We can't blame grandparents. We can't blame cousins. We as parents are responsible we have to always protect and verify that our kids are protected not as if our friends or family are bad people but just recognizing that you can't always blindly trust friends and relatives we have to always remember that we've all struggled with sin problems in our lives you know there are some people that don't think that pornography is that big of a deal They may know their kids are watching it, and for whatever reason, they won't do anything about it. Some people think it's the lesser of two evils. Some people think it's just a phase. Some people just don't want to put the work in to address it. Matthew 5 and 28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is more profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. The plain and simple truth is it's a major sin problem and that should be sufficient enough to ensure that we avoid it at all costs. But if that's not enough, let me ask you something. How many parents here keep meth in their homes? Meth, cocaine, anything like that? In your spare time, really put in the research and look at the signs and symptoms of a porn addiction. It's crazy how many of them are the same as a severe alcohol or drug problem. You have dramatic mood swings, agitation, paranoia, irritability, social withdrawal, poor judgment, impaired memory, a lack of appropriate decision-making skills, secrecy and deceptiveness, Lack of motivation. If we could really understand that porn is as bad as meth, we would not leave our smartphones and our iPads all over the house. Folks, we have the answer to everything in our lives in the Bible. The love of money, riches, covetousness, greed, all of those things are spoken against all over in the scriptures. Leaving your parents, Working with your hands, starting a family, and being fruitful is spoken favorably all over the scriptures. Yet our culture, and yes, even in the church, discourages our young people from getting married until they have a college education, a six-figure salary. It's not working. Part of our children are doing nothing because the standard seems too daunting to them, and the other part are having to work through obstacles they shouldn't have to. You know, I love listening to sermons from Bud Jones. It's been years since I've heard a new one. But I'll dig old ones up on the podcast from time to time. I love listening to him talk about what it was like for him as a newlywed. They barely had a car. They didn't have a washer or a dryer. They had to go to the laundromat to clean their clothes. Just about every month, they just barely scrape by financially. You know what you always hear from him and people like him? Those are the best times of their life. They have the fondest memories, and they learn life's most important lessons in those days. Bud Jones talks about one of his best memories is his first child learning to walk at the laundromat. You know, the people like him that you hear those kind of stories from, they're just gold to me. I've noticed that those kinds of people sometimes are some of the wisest, most loving, godly people. You know what else? Most of them have some of the strongest marriages you'll ever see. Those people that got married at what we consider a young age, their family didn't help them pay the bills or buy groceries. They had to dig change out of the couch on occasion to make ends meet. They learned and developed a strong marriage in the process. It's a huge disservice to our kids to not teach and train our youth to seek marriage and actually look forward to it. (coughs) 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry. If we're not teaching and training our children to look forward to marriage as a life goal, then by default we're teaching against it. If all your focus is on getting the right secular education and the right secular job and you're discouraging marriage until you achieve those things, it has the potential to be the doctrine of devils. We are training our kids to have a contingency plan for a failed marriage rather than training them not to have a failed marriage. When young adults go into marriage with their own car, their own degree, their own job, their own money, their own independence and a porn addiction because all the years it took to accomplish that without a spouse What you have then is two people that have to work twice as hard to become one because of all that training to be independent rather than two people starting from the bottom with nothing training together to be codependent. I pointed out the signs and symptoms of addiction a moment ago. Just like any kind of addiction, a person can grow to prefer it to the real thing. You have someone finally achieve all the societal life goals. They have the degree, six-figure salary, and money in the bank. They're officially ready to get married. Well, now they find that their dating pool has dried up. So they go to the few options that they do have, and they find another highly independent person. Some, deci- some just decide it's too much work. They may have a 10-year pornography addiction at that point, a 10-year marriage to sin, That's hard to overcome, folks. If it can be overcome, it's a lot of baggage to bring into a new marriage. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 7 and 2 again. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. The NIV says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The new King James says, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. And the ESV says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. What do you want your kids to do with this verse? Did you know that 18 years old is peak sexual desire in a man? Again, the verse does not say to master fornication and then you can have a wife. You have a human being that on average in America has zero adult life experience, no money, yet at the same time he's at his prime reproductive state and drive. Isn't that funny? Why do you think God did that? Men need motivation, plain and simply put. It's just like a law of physics. The first law of motion states an object at rest remains at rest, and an object in motion remains in motion unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Ladies and gentlemen, right here in the front row is Mrs. Price, my very own unbalanced force that acted upon me. I needed motivation, right? I needed a goal and a purpose, and plain and simply and scripturally was to find a wife and start a family. Folks, a young man needs a wife. It's clearly present in the natural order of things, and it's clearly present in Scripture. On the surface, we don't like that, do we? We just look at 18-year-olds and think, ugh. I mean, I look at myself at 18, and I just cringe. That's my peak biological state. I mean, I had the brain power of a walnut at that age. You know what, though? I worked 16 hour days at that age with no issue. I think we forget or fail to recognize just how much a young man is truly capable of. Proverbs 20 and 29 says, the glory of young men is their strength. I may have not worked smart, but I worked hard, I had to. I wanted a wife, then I had a wife, it was a necessity. And working hard eventually teaches you how to work smart and so on and so forth. We really need to shift the priorities that we have in our children's lives. You know, we preach and teach hard against sexual sins. Don't fornicate. Don't commit adultery. Don't watch porn. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, no, don't. No, sir. No, ma'am. No. Don't do it. Then when they do get married, all of a sudden it's a yes. It's not a switch that you can just flip. 18 years of sex is bad and now it's good. Looking forward to a healthy sex life with a future spouse needs to be taught on and encouraged at as young of an age as sexual sins can be taught against. That's a much younger age than most people tend to think. For the majority of human history, families raised their own food on ranches, farms, and small homesteads. Animals have no discretion whatsoever. From a young, young age, children were familiar with the birds and the bees. They can handle that information. In this day and age, young children will become familiar with the birds and the bees at a young age as well. Someone at school or some cousin will introduce them to pornography. Folks, your kids need to hear the truth, taught at home, before that ever happens. The truth that sex is a beautiful thing between a married couple in the Lord and it's something that should be looked forward to. If your kids cannot identify the genuine article, then they will not be able to identify the counterfeit. The book of Proverbs is probably one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It just really teaches you how to have a good life. I would strongly encourage the parents here to spend a lot of time in Proverbs with their children. The verses I gave you in the beginning, 1 Corinthians 7 and 2, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, the thought process of working with your hands, of avoiding fornication and getting married, that is an overarching principle in the book of Proverbs. Chapter one in Proverbs, verse eight, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Chapter 2 starts with, My son, receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Chapter 3 starts with, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4 starts with, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Chapter 5 starts with, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ears to my understanding. Proverbs is a father that desperately wants his children to have a beautiful life in the Lord. Parents and children can gain so much from this book if you'll, as, if you'll read it as a real outline for a successful life and not just general truisms that may get dismissed easily. You know when a soldier comes back from war and, and people just can't understand why he acts the way he does? They can't understand the things he's seen or the things he's been a part of? That's the best way that I can describe the level of heartache That I've seen with today's subject. I want desperately for everyone to have the best biblically founded families that they can. As we close this evening, if there's anything that I can do to help anyone, please don't hesitate to speak to me. Please don't hesitate to seek out an elder. If you have just a little bit of an inclination tonight to seek help, please don't leave this building without doing so. If there's anyone that needs help, prayers, or baptism, please come forward as we stand and sing.